I'd like to welcome to the show director of the film Unhinged, Derek Bort. How are you today, sir? Fantastic. Happy to be here. I really appreciate you coming on the show for me. Um, before we dive into the film, uh, I'd like to kind of kick that off with a little bit of a softball. Do you rem- What was the first movie you remember seeing? Uh, wow. First movie I remember seeing... Um, it was probably the double feature of Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More. I like it. I like it. Uh, uh, I'm way too young of an age to be seeing those two films, by the way. <laughs> well, I remember the first film that I vaguely remember watching as a kid is Philadelphia. So, um, and that, you know, that kind of film isn't exactly for kids either. So I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I'm sure I saw plenty of films before that, but that's just uh, the first one I remember. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and what made you want to get into film? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was always a, a film fanatic, and and it wasn't until I started going to this art house theater in Norfolk, Virginia, called the Narrow, and watching indie films in the in the late '80s, early '90s, that I started realizing that you could actually do this. You know, you could actually write and direct your own films. And um, I think the first film I saw there was Wings of Desire, and and, you know, that I, that was the first time I heard people sort of, you know, talking about writer, directors, you know, in, indie filmmakers. And all of a sudden it just kind of dawned on me that this is what I'm supposed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So Unhinged, after a confrontation with unstable men at an intersection, a woman becomes the target of his rage. What attracted you to the project initially? Well, I mean, the script was, was one that... that uh, uh, I, I'd come off this film, American Dreamer. We were getting a lot of incoming, you know, material, and I was reading a lot of material, and and this was one that I just couldn't put down, and just double fisted page turner, like I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next, and and by the end, uh, I you know, I was just kind of like, wow, this would be super challenging, and kind of scares the heck out of me, but uh, I'd love to make the movie, and. You know, I went in and, and, you know, pitched my sort of my take on it to, to, to Solstice and they liked it. And, and we were next thing I know, we were going to make a movie together. Absolutely. Obviously, our main villain is played by Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. What was it like working with him? And then the follow up to that, not only working with him, but directing him in a role we've never really seen out of him before. Well, I mean... You know, prior to working with Russell, you know, I had a million people kind of, you know, trying to warn me about, you know, what kind of crazy ride I was in for, you know, what kind of what kind of uh, trouble I was in for. And and, uh, you know, I just kind of went at it with an open mind. And and, uh, you know, I think that that I found pretty quickly that as long as I was uh, prepared and, and, and on my, on my, uh, you know, on my game and, and they're trying to make the best film possible and as committed as he was, we really clicked and and hit it off and, and had a great time working together. I mean, you know, uh, he definitely is someone that challenges you to raise your, your level, you know, raise your level of work to, to match his, whether you're the prop, you know, the prop master or the, you know, or you name any, or you know, makeup anybody on set. I mean, you've got to kind of 
raise your frequency to match that of Russell's. He kind of brings that kind of energy to the set. And, and it was, it was, you know, really kind of a, of a, uh, priceless experience for me that, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get to, uh, to, to do again sometime soon. I think we're, you know, hopefully we'll find something else to do again. Absolutely. Um, there's a few technical things and small things within the film that I really appreciate it. And the first one I want to talk about is, um, that stood out is obviously we know him as the man. He had this slow and methodical pace about himself. It kind of remind it kind of reminds you like whenever he's walking, kind of reminds you of like a Michael Myers esque pace to his walking. Was this on purpose? Um, you know, I think in trying to find this character, you know, Russell and I were trying to find ways to, you know, for an actor to, to, to try to find some human connections to something that's kind of relatively inhuman in this character. You know, this guy had kind of lost all of his connection to humanity at that point. He was invisible and felt like his only means of, of being heard or seen was violence and retribution. And I kind of likened the character to the shark in Jaws. And, you know, in talking with Russell about the shark in Jaws and kind of, you know, when he's kind of operating at a, at a certain pace, a slow pace, um, you know, slow and deliberate kind of vibe is, is something that was part of the conversation, that's for sure. Another thing that I really like, action films, in my opinion, seem sometimes to kind of lack attention to detail. And I feel like in this film, there was more so focused in on little small things. One of the things that I loved about the movie was the use of technology. Um, it was that, is it important for you? I, I know this is a weird quote. Is it important for you for those attention to detail things and not get kind of mixed up in that prototypical action film that we're kind of used to seeing that kind of has no nonsense? Um, well, I mean, I, look, I think that you've got a film that relies on some of this technology. So it's got to work. It's got to be correct. Um, you know, when you've got most of Russell and Karen's scenes together, they're not really together. They're communicating over, you know, over phones. Um, so, you know, trying to make sure that the logic, um, you know, wasn't flawed was a, was a big deal to me. So yeah, I mean, those little details, were important to me and um you know i just uh, i think that that look suspension of disbelief is is a is a tricky thing you know when you're you're asking people once they're in something to to kind of overlook things that are that are not real so you want to limit the number of things that they've got to try to kind of you know um ignore i guess for, for lack of a better word but uh you know, so any details that, that are that are relatively important, you know, I feel like you need to, you know, you need to get them right. Absolutely. And, and that's like I said, like it's it's important. Obviously, the use of technology was the big thing within this. Obviously, the vocal point kind of being on your phone and stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like the dynamic that we had between Rachel and the man, between Russell Crowe and Karen, that was a very solid dynamic. Was that... Uh, an immediate chemistry obviously like you said there's a lot of scenes not filmed together but at the same time in order to it's it's i think in my opinion it's harder to shoot and kind of act whenever you're not face to face with somebody and you're kind of on a phone and stuff like that so was that dynamic um already there whenever you started shooting 
I mean, we had some rehearsal time and, 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 you know, when we, when we were casting, um, the Rachel role, you know, I brought in some actors to, to read, you know, uh, for callbacks opposite Russell and Karen was one of them and just, uh, really had, you know, kind of a, I hate to say a great chemistry because they're not really, you know, they have no chemistry obviously in the film, but, um, you know, they, they worked well together and, and then, you know, they were both very generous actors in that even on one of their days off, if they were on the opposite end of a phone call, you know, they would, they would uh, both make themselves available to, to hop on the other end of that call to help the, to help the other one out, you know, who, who was actually on camera that day. So, you know, Karen may have been, you know, out to lunch in New Orleans and she'd get the call and she'd have to, you know, act out her part from wherever she was around town and Russell as well. And, and, and you know, they both they were both really generous and, and, and wonderful in that way. So Unhinged was the first film back in theaters after six months. I, I, I was so excited to see a film in theaters. I feel like that's my place of, of comfort. It's my place of home. It's my therapy. It's where I get all these things. What was it like uh, in that process being that first film out the gate? Um, well, I was fortunate enough in January, sort of pre-COVID, to, 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 to do a test screening in L.A. in a theater with 450 people and, and, and play the film you know, and, and see what it play, what it was like on a big screen with a full, you know, with an audience. And, and, you know, I think that really kind of um, reaffirmed all of our beliefs that this film really needed to be seen on a big screen in a theater. And then obviously when, when, you know, everything shut down, it, it, it you know, the world had other plans for us. And, and then when, when Mark Gill, had the bold idea to try to to try to fit the film in and really be the first worldwide release post uh the covid the initial covid shutdown i mean my my reaction was excitement but also concern because you know you want to make sure that you're not putting someone in danger to come see your film and and uh you know thankfully the studio was working with the theater chains and health departments and you know, uh, all the state governments to, to ensure that, that every precaution that could be put in place was, was implemented. And, you know, um, so it, like I said, it was exciting, but it was also you know, carried, carried with it a different kind of pressure. And, um, you know, I'm glad people got to see it at the theater and, and, uh, you know, it seems as though it, it helped people like you and like myself, you know, get back to that place that where we where we feel comfortable, like you said, and and uh, it was a movie that was meant to be seen on a big screen, and I was actually pleasantly surprised to see how well it did at drive-in theaters around North America. I mean, that's really it. Does it, it always felt like a drive-in movie to me as well, and it, and I'm glad to see that it did really well there. Absolutely, I agree with you a thousand percent. There's certain films, in my opinion, especially whenever it comes out, it's like, oh, is this going to be released on PO, you know, VOD? Is this going to be released on VOD? And and to me, it's like, no, I don't like. For me, it's like I'm gonna watch it. Obviously, the movie critic side of me is going to watch it, but then the other side of me is like, I really don't want to watch this on my, you know, fifty inch television at my house. I want to feel the seat shake and stuff like that. So I appreciated that. Um, being able to kind of go back and see a film again, it was very exciting. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, that's that's pretty much the the response we got everywhere that it opened. You know, was was um, you know, in general, just sort of um, you know, from con- congratulatory messages to to even bigger, just saying, you know, the, uh, that Solstice really tried to you know do what they could to help save theaters. You know, and I think that that um you know we'll see what the future holds but i, I it is it, it is really cool to have had the first film that had a major worldwide release after the shutdown absolutely uh i and the marketing the marketing has been a pheno- was phenomenal from from day 1 um i love that I, I wanted to just ask you real quick what did you think about the whole marketing the twitter presence the social media presence was a lot of fun seeing them interact with basically everybody to try to get the awareness, to get the people to go. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, look, the marketing team did a great job. I think the fact that we had actors that were, that were game to try some interesting, you know, kind of uh, unconventional marketing was really cool. I mean, Russell did some things that were, I thought, you know, kind of amazing in terms of, of just the kind of, of, uh, of, marketing that i hadn't seen before and uh you know I, i'm glad i was glad to see that the response was positive and and you know that it was it was all in good fun and and you know it seemed like like for the most part you know the response has been has been very positive to the film uh and and everything around its release exactly and now and now it's released on povd uh PVOD, which is very exciting as well, because I can't wait to revisit this film. I'm very excited to watch it again. Now I can enjoy it at the comfort of my house after seeing it in the theaters, you know what I mean? So it's definitely one of those films that warrants repeat viewing just because it's one of those somewhat no-nonsense films that you can throw on. I will also say that after watching the film, I was terrified to even honk my horn or even merge into a section that I'm not supposed to because, you know, I was worried that Russell Crowe was going to chase me down, but... Obviously, you know, you shouldn't be on your phone in, in traffic anyway, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely <laughs> has uh, affected me in the way that I I conduct myself on the roads as well. And I think it, it, it was kind of a, a running thing among the crew and cast while we were in production that, you know, just kind of everyone talking about their experiences with road rage or people other people having road rage around them and things like that and just kind of it definitely made us all hyper aware of of the practice or of you know of the conditions that sort of lead up to it and i think it definitely had an effect on all of us and hopefully viewers as well absolutely uh, and before we go i like to ask this one last fun question it's a crazy one so i'll prefix with the saying that um i, I want to know what is your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs> oh man, um, that's a tough one, man. I gotta tell you, um, the crazy question, you know, as far as a crazy answer goes, I don't know any Taylor Swift songs. That's that's perfect. That's the perfect. It, I get that. It's either the. The uh, people know it, or people are like, I have no clue, and I, I like both sides of it, so it's it's fun. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I literally have. No, I mean, 
you know, I might recognize her voice if I heard it, but I don't know any songs. That's fantastic. Derek, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate you coming on and talking to me today. And thank you for this film. It was fantastic. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it.